0: Welcome to the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast. With me in the studio today is my long-term friend Peter Bunton. Welcome to the podcast. Larry, thank you. It's great to be here again and to chat with you. I'm really excited about it today. And by the way, the person who makes this all work behind the scenes is Melina Miller. And I want to give a shout out to her. She's our producer, does a great job, and we're so grateful for you, Melina. Thank you. Yes, she's wonderful. She really (laughs) is. We're going to talk today about how Christianity has changed the world. I wanted you on this podcast for this reason, Peter. I heard you teach on this it was life-changing to me and I t- heard you teach in our school and our leadership school on this it was just life-changing so many things I just never knew uh-huh. and I thought this would be great for our listeners to hear how has Christianity changed the world it might sound a bit presumptuous you know, to say that uh do you think that's an accurate thing to say that Christianity really has changed the world I think it's accurate, but you're right. We have to be
1: careful in not overstating things. Um, I think clearly Christians have made mistakes throughout history. Uh, The church has at times got some things wrong on major issues. So we don't want to ignore that and say it didn't happen. But on the other hand, I think there are other people who just blame the church for everything. That The the church has just been an organization that suppressed people Mm -hmm. and not brought about justice. And really has been profoundly unhelpful. Right. And I think we also want to kind of counter that and juxtapose these two things. There have been mistakes, Mm -hmm. but there have been many good things. And it's Christians and the church that have produced much wonderful fruit in societies around the world. So that's probably what we want to talk on today. Very, very
0: helpful. So before we talk about specific accomplishments or influences... What do you think was behind Christians engaging in so many of life's and society's big issues? And why was it that Christians were the ones who made the changes? I know it's a big question. Talk to us about that. Sure, I mean, I would offer a couple of uh, points
1: really on that. I think Christians, once they've known God and studied the scriptures, have a very interesting, almost unique view on human life and the sanctity of life. And that might seem an obvious or simple comment, but really it has profound implications. And a key scripture is uh, back in Genesis, um, where we are told that we humans are made in God's image. In fact, that's Genesis uh, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And that simple phrase is profound because Christians have understood that Mm. if I, if you, if Melina, if everyone is created as an image of God, then we are special. There's something us, and we have to treat everyone with dignity and respect and love because they really reflect who God is so I think that's been quite foundational I think the other thing we'll see perhaps later if we talk about issues like science Christians as they've read the scriptures have realized that if God created this world there must be a plan a design Things are not random. There is forethought, there is reason, there is rationale behind how the world operates, the physical world and then human beings. So I think that's also been profound because if you believe that God created this world with order and structure and design, then you want to find out what that order and structure and design is because the world will be better and humans will be be better if we function according to that. Right. So I think those are a couple of profound things that come from a Christian and a biblical worldview that have influenced so many areas of life mm-hmm. and society over the years.
0: Yeah, I should break in here and say, Peter, <laughs> that I make the assumption everybody knows who you are. And, you know, Peter Bunton uh, from really England originally yeah. and led YWAM and in, in one of the bases in England for many, many years. And I've uh, been a dear friend for years, now serves on in our International Apostolic Council with Dev International. You head of Dev, Dev Mission International. You're an author. You've written books like Cell Groups and House Churches, What History Teaches Us, Evolving Missions, Preparing to Go, Your Guide to Short-Term Missions, and on and on. And you, you have a PhD, and it's something that I can't claim to. Uh, <laughs> talk to us about your PhD, I, I, about that, and then we'll get back in, into our subject at hand. Sure. Um, Well, the PhD is technically in missiology,
1: the study of mission, but I focus very much on leadership within international Christian movements, agencies, church networks, and succession, especially founder succession. Exactly. And I looked at leadership theory, leadership theology, as well as doing case studies on specific groups and how they've
0: handled this whole issue of leadership succession. So that's some of my research and background. And and what you've learned through that have helped us so much because obviously I'm in the midst of succession right now. Mm -hmm. And Dove International is the international director and you've served on our team our Succession Advisory Team, and you've been just such a great blessing in so many ways. But I realize I need to let everybody know who you are as you share with us and all these things that you've learned. So let's get back, yeah. let's get back to, the, to the point at hand. Uh, there are some major issues being debated in the world today, such as right to life issues, gender issues. How have Christians historically engaged with such matters and made a difference? Yes. And I think they they have engaged and made a huge difference.
1: So I mentioned the whole understanding that we are created in God's image. Yes. And that profoundly affects right-to-life issues, of which okay, there are many. Correct. So for example, in ancient Roman society, it was very common to practice infanticide, killing of children. Wow. Children weren't honored and esteemed, and people wanted to get ahead in society, and family life could get in the way of that. And so that was quite a common practice. The early Christians said, no, this is wrong. And in fact, uh, Bishop Basil from Caesarea in Cappadocia, which is kind of modern day Turkey. He actually influenced the Emperor Valentinian in 374 AD to pass a law outlawing infanticide, the killing Mm, of children. So the church got the empire eventually to outlaw the killing of children. So that's one area. Obviously, an issue like abortion uh, plays into this. That's a, a huge hot topic today right, in many exactly. nations, especially here in the USA where we are recording this uh, podcast. And that was important as well because the ancient Roman world and Greek world um, really had no problem with abortion. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'll just quote Plato, the Greek philosopher. He said, it was the prerogative of the city-state to have a woman submit to an abortion so that the state would not become too populous. And that was Plato. That's Plato in his work, The Republic. Amazing. So it was like population control, if we think we're getting too big in this city, we will force women to have abortions. Um, This was some of the thinking at the time. So it was very common. Even Aristotle wrote how abortion needs to be practised. For the early Christians, they would turn to a scripture like, Let the little children come to me and right. do not hinder them. Jesus said that in Matthew 19. Yeah. And saying, Surely we must speak out against this practice of mm-hmm. killing children in their mother's womb. So infanticide, um, abortion, child abandonment. People just abandoned children. And it was early Christians who would take them in. Uh, a Roman Christian called Callistus took in abandoned children. Uh, Begignus of Dijon in the second century provided homes for children. That's in kind of modern-day France. Afra of Augsburg, that's Germany, she was a prostitute who became a Christian. And she set up homes for abandoned children and also runaway Mm -hmm. slaves. So really, we see the early church, because of this belief that life is sacred and we all reflect God, Correct. It influenced all these areas of abortion, infanticide, mm-hmm. orphanages, taking care of children. They are seen as the image of uh, God. And also, it went into other areas, like even criminals and penal justice. The Christians began to say a criminal is also made in the image of God. Right. So, for example... When the Emperor Constantine uh, became a Christian, one of the practices was that a criminal was branded with a hot iron on their face. And he would say the human face was the image of celestial beauty. We need to stop this practice. So this sense of the worthiness of a human being, even in prison, Affects how they should be treated. So some of these practices of torture and branding uh, Were abandoned by the Roman Empire Um, And it plays into even things like the way we would treat the poor say widows The scripture is very clear in the book of James. We are to take care of the widows Mm -hmm. those who don't have economic means so this became very important as well throughout history and if we jump many centuries forward, say William Carey, the great missionary right. from England to India, when he was there in the late 1700s, early 1800s, it was the practice to burn a widow with her husband's body. Oh, my. So if a husband had died, the practice was then to kill the widow on the funeral pyre. It's terrible. called sati, S-A-T-I. William Carey spoke out against this practice that he found in India and then lobbied the British government or the trading company that was really in charge. And in 1829, the practice of widow burning was banned by the British in India. So it was Christians applying their faith in human life, the sanctity of life, but also we take care of the destitute, the widows, saying this is mm-hmm. wrong and actually then many women were saved because of this Christian influence that came directly from Carey. So we began to, we begin to see in these areas just how much of society yes. has been changed when Christians have taken up an issue mm-hmm. which stems from their faith and their biblical worldview.
0: Yeah, I've often heard the term redemption and lift. Mm-hmm. You know, how that when people are redeemed through Christ in a community, then there's a massive difference in the society in that community lift. And you see that happening happening here. What influence has the church had on issues of gender equality?
1: Yes, well, I started to mention about uh, widows, but... We need to realize in the ancient world, women were not equal at all. Women often could not own property. They did not have rights. Correct. They weren't educated. Uh, One Greek writer, Plutarch, from the second century AD, he actually wrote this. Men should keep their wives under lock and key. Oh, that's terrible. Aristotle said, silence and discretion are most beautiful in woman and remaining quiet within the house it's so crazy. women had to be silent they were shut away they were shut up society was for men <clears throat> and we see in the scriptures how jesus himself and then the early church right. began to treat women very differently uh i think of john chapter four jesus addressed the woman at the world well with dignity there was mary magdalene right. there were the sisters mary and martha <clears throat> and we need to realize mary sat at jesus feet listening to his teaching that was a role for men that kind of thing was reserved for the men in the day yet the scripture just commends her because she did the one thing that was mindful needful which was to listen and obey to the teachings of christ so we see a profound Different kind of ethic sure. uh, that is taking place in the scriptures. In Romans sixteen, he talks of Phoebe, who's one of the leaders of a church. Right. So women were even the early church in positions of leadership. And treated so differently from the way the ancient society was teaching women um, outside. So Christians spoke up on these things. The early church opposed polygamy, Mm -hmm. having multiple wives. Don't forget, the first resurrection appearances of Jesus were to women. I know. That's so amazing. This is honoring women. Right. And so the church began to speak on these issues, practice differently what marriage is, how women should be treated And so, really, the early church profoundly influenced the position of women in society. Was it like that throughout all of church history? No. Um, Later on, there were some different understandings came in from certain sections of the church, and women were not allowed in leadership. Women were not accorded the same equality that I think we see in the scriptures coming from Jesus. So there were some changes, but yet, even there, the church... Uh, as renewed by Christ often spoke up. If we go back to, say, the 1800s, it was really the Christian mission agencies that were using women and sending them around the world, releasing them into leadership positions. And a lot of those agencies came out of the revivals in Europe and and North America. So we see this kind of renewal and revival. And one of the effects is a new release of women to ministry and dignity and leadership. So it's been different throughout different phases of history. And thankfully, more recently, Christians have really spoken up again and affected the whole issue of the way women are being treated. And don't forget, today, there are. It's incredible abuse, something right. called FGM, female genital mutilation. Terrible, yeah. It's often Christians that have really spoken up, the right. missionaries and the churches in nations where this is practiced.
0: Mm-hmm. So the church yeah.
1: has influenced women sure. and their rights and equality.
0: Yeah, yeah. even today in certain denominations, uh, women are released in the mission field mm-hmm. in ways they would not be back home. Yes, and you know, in back if, if you're here in the United States, in certain denominations, only men can be involved in leadership. Yeah. But in, I, I meet these these amazing women of God in the mission field, yeah. sent out from their denomination, and they're released to do whatever God calls them to do in the mission field. Yes, uh, so there's lots of work, lots of homework we have today to get of, things the way they should be according to Scripture. Of course, yeah. It's it, so
1: it's been a mixed bag, but really consistently, it's. Radical Christians who believe the
0: scriptures, who've brought dignity and equality to women and released them. So true. Let's talk about slavery, Peter. Slavery has been a complicated issue throughout history. And have Christians had a positive influence on this social issue? Yes, uh, very much so. Um,
1: Going back to biblical times, the ancient world, uh, one figure I've got is about 75% of Athens were slaves Mm. and about 50% of the Roman population were slaves. Really? So it, it was very prevalent. And we find... From the beginning, the church taking a different stance. I think of the book of Philemon, for example. Correct. Where Paul sends a slave back to his owner, but says, accept him as a brother. Mm -hmm. Uh, Paul can't change the law right there, but he pleads for a different ethic. Um, The wonderful verse that we often quote in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 28. In Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female for you are all one in christ jesus this speaks of incredible equality gender equality Mm -hmm. but also equality of social status correct whether you were a free man or woman or a slave the scripture is saying we're all equal and we're all one in the, the church so this really led christians to oppose slavery um Gregory of Nyssa, in the the fourth century A.D. wrote again about how we all bear the divine image. So therefore, we shouldn't make someone a slave. This person represents, reflects who God is. he actually said in Genesis 1, when God said we're to rule over the earth and the animals, he's not talking about people. So right. if you take a slave, you are contravening the authority that God has given That's human beings. Very intriguing. So there was a real theological position uh, sure. in the early church. Um, Augustine in the fourth century wrote how slavery was a product of sin and contrary to God's divine plan. John Chrysostom in the fourth century actually wrote that Christians should buy a slave, train them with skills, and then set them free. Wow. So he even came up with this kind of recommendation. Well, if it sure. exists, you buy them, and then you educate them and train them and set set them free. Amazing. So within that context, they were speaking out and trying to provide some practical solutions. And of course, if we jump forward Many centuries to countries like Great Britain and the United States in mm-hmm. the 18th and 19th century. It was often Christians who spoke out against slavery. Edward Beecher here in the U.S., William Wilf- Wilberforce uh, in Great Britain was the leading proponent to abolish the slave trade throughout the whole British mm-hmm. Empire. Mm-hmm. And these were believing Christians And we see today a lot of people take up this issue, this mon slavery. And maybe they're not necessarily Christian, but often they're operating within a Christian
0: worldview, Mm -hmm. even if personally they are not believers. So Christianity certainly has revolutionized the world around us, amazing. Now talk to us a bit about how education developed, certainly uh, in the early church and then in Europe and beyond. Uh, How were Christians a positive influence in that area? Yes,
1: again, the early Christians began to teach and educate people. Um, AD 150, Justin Martyr established schools in Ephesus and in Rome that included teaching and Christian doctoring, but also reading, writing. He had pupils from many different races in mm. those schools. So the early church began to educate people without fear or favour. Including girls, including women. And so, as we move into the Middle Ages, we find many of the leading women had been educated by the monks or the nuns in in monasteries and taught to read and write and so on. And even if we go forward, say, to the Reformation, Martin Luther, Mm -hmm. the great reformer, he advocated for public education in Germany. Wow. Um, He saw the need for education as part of his Christian religious reform. And his assistant, Melanchthon, uh, in the 16th century, actually started or helped start the first public schools in Germany. So Christian leaders in the sphere of public education. Hmm. Uh, in Britain, Robert Rakes up in Scotland, um, he lived 1735 to 1811. He started Sunday schools. That was really? for the poor children, the children of the factory workers who weren't receiving education. So they became Sunday schools to learn the Bible, but also people were taught to read and write so they could read the scriptures and read other things. Um Really, libraries, many of the great libraries through Europe were attached to monasteries. The monks Mm -hmm. kept books and documents and manuscripts and kept learning alive through the establishment of libraries. Um, Here in the United States, where where we're sitting, great institutions, Harvard University, Yale University, Princeton, they were started by Christians, often to train ministers and missionaries, uh, but also for broader educational purposes. So... Where the church has had a strong presence, there's usually Mm. being a strong commitment to education.
0: That is so good. So, Peter, how does this apply to us in 2022?
1: Yes, that's a good question. And clearly, we have to think through these issues. So we have this church history where believers in Christ have been radical reformers in huge areas of society. And it seems to me that that mandate from God still continues today. There's still a lot of injustice. There are still many issues in the world. For example, today we're very much engaged with environmental issues. And there's a theology behind that. God created this world. How do we as Mm -hmm. Christians take care of it so that people can thrive and so on? So clearly there are many issues. So I think we should be involved. Um, I think sometimes Christians may not want to get involved because it actually takes some work it takes some brain work Mm -hmm. should I say because often our scriptures don't give us a prescription you need this kind of legislation or as a scientist you need to do this we have to take the truths and then we have to think them through and apply them so I'd encourage us to uh be doing that and churches sometimes don't know how to help people do that so i've actually heard a christian scientist say she gets more criticism from people in the church about her science than she gets from scientists about her faith and i think we need the new day to realize god has gifted us with people who are scientists who are economists who are artists Mm -hmm. or educators and The church needs to support them as they work in these areas. Correct. So I think it's important. I think we need a biblical worldview. I think our churches need to teach a biblical worldview, teach on issues like the ones we're even discussing today. And I think we need to recognize and release those who are gifted to engage Mm -hmm. in these different areas of society and realize that's as much a part of the mandate right. Christ has given us right. than preaching or helping people in their, you know, personal spiritual life or marriage and so on. Those things are important, but
0: some people are called to these areas right. of
1: society.
0: And it comes down to honoring one another as, and honoring the call of God that God has in everyone's life in regards to all, all of this. You, you, I know you have some books you'd recommend, some things you've written, articles, things you recommend, and we want to make sure this is on the show notes. I want to have you back. I want to have you back next week. We want to dig into this even more. But talk to us sure. uh, about that. How can we get more information? Sure. Well, yes, I have
1: written a, a brief article which will be appearing you know, with this uh, podcast. Um, two interesting books out there, one by a man called Alvin Schmidt, actually called How Christianity Changed the World. Mm. And that's helped me find a number of the examples, for example, I've even given today. And there's a book by uh, a woman, Nona Werner Harrison, called God's Many Splendid Image, Theological Anthropology for Christian Formation. Mm. And it might sound a mouthful, but actually it really is dealing with this who are we as humans reflecting God and therefore what does that mean in our world today? So those are a couple of books that uh, can help us if we want to think through more some of these
0: issues. Sure. Well, Peter, it's just a joy to have you on the podcast today. And again, check out the show notes, please. And we want to have you back next week. And we're going to take it the next step. What, What are some other areas where Christianity has changed the world? Christianity will change the world. And we want to talk more about that next week. Before we close today peter anything else you want to share with our listeners no i think that's good
1: i look forward to coming back and talking about even more different areas of society uh, where we as Christians can have an influence.
0: Exactly. Peter Bunton, thank you so much for being on the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast today. We'll have you back here next week. And for everyone, please check out the show notes. and You can dig into this, dive into this much more deeply than we have even today. We're just kind of scratching the surface. There's so much more we can learn about this and apply to our lives, whereby we as believers in Christ can change the world around us. And obviously it's the new birth, it's Jesus living in us, and we all believe in, believe in that. We're born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, all those personal things. And yet God uses us to change the world around us at the same time. But you're right, it does take work and it takes a call from God. So yeah. thank you, Peter. And look forward to having you all back with us on the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast next week where we learn these small changes we can make and we can learn that make a massive difference in our lives and the lives of those we serve. So God bless you. We'll see you back here you. next week. Thank you for listening to Larry Crider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to larrycrider.com.